Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys. Jeannie, if I could guarantee you that this would be a fantastic podcast episode, would you stay my customer? <laughs> I absolutely would. And you know what? I know exactly why you're guaranteeing it. Oh, do you? Uh, look at you. You're so prescient. Well, <laughs> you know, there's something to be said for sticking by your word and setting expectations and even going so far as to guarantee your customer experience. I think that we have the perfect guest who will be able to talk about the guaranteed experience and what's involved with it, how to deliver on it, how to design it. And you know what? I think this is just a fun conversation. This is one of our faves, Jeff Toyster. It is. In fact, you know, Jeff is, uh, as has been announced, one of our final guests here on Crack the Customer Code. And we've, uh, we've had Jeff quite a few times on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's always a great guest. And we always have so much fun talking customer experience and kidding around and um, while making important points. And uh, <laughs> so we knew Jeff would be a great guest uh, to have on here as we uh, close out everything. So I think, Jenny, we should jump right in. I think so, too. So... Let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Jeff Toyster. Jeff's first customer service interaction ended in a service failure. Vowing to learn from that experience, he became obsessed with customer service. Today, he guides organizations that want to build and grow a customer-focused culture. Jeff is the best-selling author of four books, including The Service Culture Handbook. Over 1 million people, wow, have taken one of his LinkedIn Learning training courses, and he is a keynote speaker ranked as one of the top customer service professionals in the world by Global Gurus. Our friend, Mr. Jeff Toyster, we are so happy you're here. Thanks for being here today. I'm so excited to be here, although I have to admit I'm a little bit nervous. I had this this really bad dream that <laughs> we did the podcast and it went so poorly that you two <laughs> decided to stop podcasting. So oh, I, no. I hope it's just a dream. Adam's got something to tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> your dream, your nightmare has come true. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. We, we, uh, as we all know, and uh, as our listeners now know, um, we are ra wrapping up the show, and we really did uh, think long and hard about what special guests we wanted to close out the show, Jeff, and uh, you have always been a great friend of ours, first and foremost, and a friend of the shows, and it is fantabulous to have you back here. Yes, well, and I'm so honored. I, I know I've told you two off air, but for your listeners... This your podcast is the first podcast I ever listened to <laughs> and what got me into it. So thank you. And I'm I'm really am honored to be a part of it again. 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 Yeah. No, this is so awesome. Fun. Well, unfortunately, in 496 episodes, I haven't learned much. So I have a very long <laughs> open question in about 27 parts. So just bear with me and I'll, I'll get to the actual question. He's a pro. No, actually, we have a very simple. <laughs> I'm a pro. Uh, we have a very simple question. I want to know, and I'm sure our audience would love to hear, 
Jeff, what is an experience guarantee? An experience guarantee really is a way of looking at customer experience through the framework of a guarantee. So I think we're probably all familiar with a, like a product warranty. This product will last for a year before it breaks. If not, we'll fix it. So we could take that framework and apply it to customer experience. And what it does is it gets everybody focused on winning and retaining customers just by keeping our promises. So if we break it down a little bit, a guarantee has three elements. First is a promise. And so think marketing, sales, advertising, you know, what are we telling prospective customers about how we can solve a problem for them or improve their lives in some way so that they'll be willing to give us a try. The second element is action. We have to actually keep those promises that we're making. And that, that's what builds customer trust and gets customers to come back and, and give us their continued business. And then the third element is recovery. No matter how good we are, there will be times when a promise might be broken, or at least a customer feels we broke a promise. And so recovery is really about restoring trust and giving customers confidence that we're going to do right the next time. Mm -hmm. So that really is what an experience guarantee is. It's just taking a guarantee and applying it to customer experience. I love that. This guarantee. So when you're using it, you know, actually as, as an organization, how are you expressing it? How, obviously I'm sure that will be different across organizations, but in general, how are we expressing this guarantee? Is it publicly stated? Is it an internal guarantee? Is it a combination? Well, it's, it's always ex it's external. Let's hope hopefully it's internal as well, because we're making a promise to a customer. It, it, doesn't always sound like a guarantee. We don't have to say, our guarantee is this. <laughs> it's really just the framework. So let me give you a, an example. I just got a direct mail piece from a shoe company I do business with. And they made a promise. So this is marketing. It says, come down to our store and find your perfect fit. So this is a promise to go to one of their stores and get fitted so that I'm getting the right size. And if I'm worried about having the right size shoes, or maybe I can perform better if I have shoes that fit better, then this is definitely a, a great promise to entice me to go to the store. It doesn't say we guarantee you will find you the fit, but it's still a promise, right? So, but let's say I go down to the store and they have no idea what I'm talking about. A fitting, what, what's a fitting, right? Then all of a sudden the promise has been broken. But on the other hand, if I go down to the store and they're prepared and they're able to show me exactly how to get the right size shoe and all of a sudden my shoes fit better and I'm happier Then they've kept their promise and I'll, I'll keep doing business with them. Now, the, the last piece I'll tell you is, is I really did contact customer support because I wanted some details about this amazing offer and nobody in customer support seemed to know anything about it. What I got was, I don't know, call the store. So that's eroded trust and, and told me that maybe that guarantee isn't very solid. But to go back to your question, Adam, sometimes it really is, we guarantee this, but a lot of times it's just the connection between marketing operations and support and all the other departments and whether or not those promises are, are actually being kept. Mm -hmm. I like the way you weave that together because, I mean, we've been talking about this, I don't know, since we've been talking about customer experience and how the siloed approach inside an organization can really mess up the experience. Um since at least 2014 <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> at least. <laughs> um, and I think part of what is so challenging inside organizations 
is that if you look at those individual processes, they're probably thinking, I did what I promised, right? Like I did what I promised when I um, am working the retail part of the store, or I did what I promised when I'm answering the questions or the phone calls in customer service. But they're not seeing it through this big picture lens of what's really happening with the customer and what are the promises that the entire brand has made to the customer. Um, and by putting it into the framework of a guarantee, you're able to kind of connect those dots inside the organization, I imagine, in much more robust ways. Would you agree with that? Absolutely not. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, I, th I think I think you nailed it, Jeannie. It, it's as you said earlier. It's it's the silos where everybody's focused on their one little thing, but we understand so much more about the customer where everybody's focused. And, and I'll give you a, a, a great example. So I'm a huge fan of the luggage maker Briggs and Riley. I travel a lot. I need luggage that I can depend on, and they make amazing luggage. And I had a really cool opportunity uh, a few months ago to tour their headquarters and get a preview of one of their new luggage pieces before it came out. And what was fascinating about it was the amount of input that different departments had just in designing hmm. this new piece of luggage. So it, customer support, what types of complaints or compliments were they getting? They actually looked at their repairs record. So Briggs & Riley has an amazing uh, lifetime warranty. They will fix or repair any piece of luggage as long as you own it, even if you didn't buy it from them. Hmm. And so their repairs department has all this data on what breaks, what does not break, and, and how do we design the next one to wear even better. They even spent time watching people in airports and other places actually using the luggage to see what features made the most sense and, and what were just gimmicks and, and got in the way. So they had all of these different departments that had input because the ultimate goal was to design a piece of luggage that looked great and really traveled well. And I got to tell you, I, I want that new piece of luggage because the one I have is 10 years old. The problem is the one I have that's 10 years old is still amazing. So I can't <laughs> really right. justify it, but it's awesome. That's cool. I will, and I think that's an area of customer experience that is often overlooked is simply observing um, what are customers doing with your products? How are they moving through their journey? What is working? What's not? What are they saying to one another? Um, that can be so powerful to learn about what they really want. And there's a classic, classic book, Paco Underhill, the Why We Buy. And one of the things that his team would do was just camp out in department stores and watch people. And one of the things they talked about was uh, the the butt brush effect. <laughs> and they realized that if the aisles were too close and people felt like they were they were you know, brushing against the merchandise, they would take themselves out of that situation. So it had nothing to do with the product. It had nothing to do with even the store kind of layout. It was when they would put those big tables in the middle of aisles and have sales and things like that. There were certain people who were just like, nope, this isn't for me. And that's something that people wouldn't talk about. They wouldn't necessarily complain about. They wouldn't even ne necessarily realize it about themselves. But observation work makes that apparent. So I love that that team is so dedicated to that 
because that can give so much information about how people actually behave kind of quote unquote in the wild, right? That's what we call it. Um, so that's really cool that they do that. And I wanted to highlight something else you said, which is you know, not just the observing piece that uh, Jeannie just mentioned, but the asking the front line, mm -hmm. right, for the feedback, asking them what they're actually experiencing in the real world. And that type of feedback is invaluable. And when you're thinking about these, you know, this idea of the guarantee and you know, the, the service standards, if you will, you know, how much are you, I guess, asking the front line or involving the front lines in actually designing what the, that guarantee should be, what is uh, executable, what is realistic, what the customers want? It's a big question. And it's a big system. I, I think ultimately a guarantee should focus on a problem that you can solve really, really well, that's meaningful to your customer. And there's a lot of inputs that go into that, including anybody that has direct customer contact to tell you this is what customers are talking about, this is what they're worried about. But the other side of it also is those are people who have direct customer contact are the ones who could probably tell you if we're keeping those promises or not. And, and going back to a point I think you were making, Jeannie, you're not always gonna capture this in a survey. But, but you will capture it often in conversations or customers just sharing something with you or even the reason a customer's contacting you. you know, and I, I give you a, a, a very simple example. On the same day, by coincidence, I was shopping for two different things, a new rug and a new backpack. And with the rug, I go online and I find one I like, but there's, there's no care instruction, right? So that's the problem I'm trying to solve is a rug that's durable and I can get all the dog hair off of it because I have a dog. <laughs> so you would think that would be a, a available information. It wasn't. So I contact customer service, which took like 15 minutes just to get a live person. And the live person's response was, I don't know. <laughs> okay, not inspiring, but you would hope they would take that little moment to say, wow, maybe there's more people like Jeff who want product information before they buy. So I'll give you the other example. I'm shopping for a, a backpack that I want to take when I, I go bicycling. And my house is a big Osprey house. I love Osprey packs because they're brand promise. Yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it, it's we're going to inspire adventure and ease your journey. Mm. And they have this wonderful tool on their website called a pack finder where you say, this is what I'm looking for and this is what I want to do. And they'll help you find the best pack. But they have so many great packs that even with the pack finder, I wasn't sure exactly which one I needed, so I chat. So unlike the rug company, Osprey, I talked to, to Jen, and Jen immediately, <laughs> it's, it's like she had ESP. She's like, how about this pack? Good old Jen. And even before I respond, she's like, or is that too big? How about this one? Mm. And her suggestions were spot on. So I know that there's a lot of intelligence that went into that suggestion, which probably tells me they've they've taken all the questions they've gotten from people like me and they've mm -hmm. baked them into online tools. They've also baked them into the training and support they give their customer service reps. The other thing I could tell you about Osprey, they sell direct, but they also sell through retailers like REI and they provide a ton of training for REI associates. And I'm a touch and feel kind of guy. I go down to REI pick out that same backpack that Jen told me about. And of course, the RI associates know a lot about the backpack. So it, it goes back to 
there's really a lot of touch points between me and the company and they are clearly learning from all those touch points and then disseminating that information to create an amazing experience where I keep buying bag after bag from them. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think there there is such an opportunity with just, and this is such a like boring word in some ways, but like content for self-service, for um, providing that information to the people who are frontline, whether that's customer service or you know, retail or wherever. But I think that we as consumers behave differently than we did 10 years ago. We wouldn't necessarily expect to look up and see all of the dimensions and all of the different, you know, information about these different products. But now we do because that's part of our decision making. And so when I see organizations like that rug company that you talked about, that don't have care instructions on the site and don't really think about that as part of ownership of a rug, like where are they? (laughs) What are they doing with their rugs? (laughs) But it's, I mean, all they need is content around that in order to solve at least part of that issue. So I think that, again, coming back to kind of our original discussion about the experience guarantee, really it's thinking through what is what is the problem that we're trying to solve for customers and what are the potential problems that they're trying to solve for the future? And, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Timbuktu from backpacks and I've had one that has lasted me. I can't, I don't even know how many years at this point. And they made a mistake in their design one year where they took out this very simple part of their backpack, which is a ribbon that's sewn on the inside and it has a little clip on it for your keys. It's just a key fob. That's all it is. I know that ribbon. (laughs) And they took it out for a line and people went bananas. And they basically said, we never heard about this. Nobody talked about it. And it's because it was so useful, but it's not the type of thing that you write into a review, right? You don't say like, uh, wow, that ribbon, (laughs) amazing technology, right? (laughs) Um, But they learned that part of this is not just the surveys or listening directly, it's about all these different ways to really get to that understanding of what is the actual problem that the customers are solving or what is the actual way that they use these products. So I think it's just a really, I don't know, I could geek out on this stuff for a long time. Well, well being pro being proactive about it is what we're talking yeah. about too. Not 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 waiting for the eruption of you have taken away my life, which you know tends to be the reaction when the, some small feature is removed from a product or <laughs> you know, when, when there's a streaming package or something digital mm-hmm. and they take uh, take some of the value away mm-hmm. or a points program. Understanding ahead of time what things are important and what things are not. Yep. Yeah, and communicating about it, right? Like being proactive about communicating about it as well. But um, so so I'm going to ask you this, Jeff. If you have somebody who's listening to this right now and they're saying, gosh, this is all great. I'm sitting in a siloed place. Like maybe I'm in customer service. I'm leading, I'm leading the charge there, but I don't have say over what our guarantee is. What can they take away from this and, and you know, empower it? within their own teams around this idea? Well, I, I love the question, Jeannie, because I imagine that's exactly what's what's happening. And I think at a personal level, we can be really clear about the promises that we make. Mm-hmm. And, and a real simple example is if I say, I'm going to get back to you right away, <laughs> what does that mean? Yep. Uh, maybe that means I'm going to get back to you in two weeks. And you're thinking, 
two hours or two minutes. So even just being clear about, hey, if I get this to you by today at 5 p.m. Eastern time, since all three of us are in different time zones, Mm -hmm. then by being clear, I can set really clear expectations. And I also have a commitment now that I, I need to uphold. So that's something anybody can do on an individual level. On a team or department level, I I think we need to own what we can own, own the promises that we make. I I once worked with a support team for a software company, and they were feeling really beat up because there was a new release and it was full of bugs and customers were angry. And of course, they didn't create that, but they were taking the brunt of it. And what they didn't realize was that they were so anxious about how many customers were on hold that they stopped really focusing on each customer and offering what I call preventable service. In other words, trying to anticipate the next problem and solving that too while I've got you on the phone. And and we changed the mindset. We just said, hey, stop thinking about the queue. Focus on making the customer better off at the end of the call than they were at the beginning. And immediately the average weight went down by 50%. They didn't realize they were causing a lot of the problems. But now we go to the the bigger picture, which is how do we bust silos? And something that the department leader started doing, which she had not been doing before, was in the past she would say, hey, we're getting a lot of calls about this new software. That's not actionable. And and it sounds a lot like complaining. (laughs) Now she would go to the software team, but also maybe executives and say, our call volume is, let's say, 25% over our expected average. And of that additional call volume, 50% of our calls are about this new software feature. And I want you to listen to some, some specific customer calls so you can understand exactly what they're saying. So she's tying the broken promise to dollars and cents. It, every call, there's a metric attached to that. We know how much that costs us and how much extra volume we're getting. And then by playing the verbatims and and actually listening to calls, the product team had a much more visceral connection to the software update is causing people misery. And that's what ended up getting action from the development team. Hmm. Yeah, making it, and it's funny because I think sometimes it's easy to hear numbers, hear things that sound meaningful, but it's not until you share those very human stories. And I love that you use the word misery, <laughs> like like putting emotion to it like that, that really kind of gets people to sit up and take notice. So great example. Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, you know, it's what we talk about on the customer side a lot and the employee engagement side, but it works in this context too. I mean, you're, you know, a, a story is always gonna be more impactful mm-hmm. than a statistic, making that emotional connection where they can hear the rage, where they can hear somebody's frustration understand it's not just oh, a 20% increase in tickets or a 50% increase uh, in tickets or whatever it may be. Right. So no, that's a, that's a fantastic example. Well, Jeff, our time has come to a close and we have a final question uh, we've been doing uh, this season and we want to ask you, and I know you've had a lot of frontline experience. So just tell us, please, what delights you about working with customers? This will sound corny and trite, so I I ask that because you're my friends that you accept that it's true. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I like to help people. Mm -hmm. 
That's not corny or trite. It's it, not corny or trite. Well, it, okay, it's trite, but it's not corny. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I really, I really do, knowing that I can make a difference in someone's day mm-hmm. or their work or, or their life. I think people who get into customer service and, and uh, the broader world of customer experience, they like to make an impact. And, and for me, if I'm helping somebody, then I feel like I've done a good job. And I feel like I'm maximizing my potential. So that's it. I like to help people. That's fantastic. And I believe you because I know you. And that is absolutely (laughs) true about you. So and it's 100 percent. It's, you know, it's something that you've done for us. You've helped us. You were an early guest and an early promoter of our podcast. So thank you for that. And continuously just been there as our friend and and a really um, strong leader in our industry as well. So thank you for all you've done for for us and for the entire kind of universe of customer experience. Oh, you're so welcome. And it's an honor to, uh, in our last episode, we talked about whether or not you could say three-peat, but I'm gonna say it. It's an honor <laughs> to three-peat as a guest. Thank, thank you so much for having me back. You, you said you never would, but then you had me back. So thank you. And then we got de- then we got desperate. What can we say, Jeff? <laughs> no, it's uh, everything Jeannie said. It's just a pleasure to have you here. And also, uh, lest we forget, and uh, thank you for your time. Please let our listeners know where they can connect with you, find out more about this, this idea, the guaranteed experience, etc. Well, the, the easiest way to find out more about this concept is at guaranteedexperience.com. You can download the first chapter of the book and read about a chain of gas station convenience stores that has figured out the best way to attract business is by having clean restrooms. Hmm. It seems like it, this is a mind, not a mind-blowing <laughs> concept, <laughs> but they do four times the business on average as their competitors. Hmm. And it starts with clean restrooms. So that's how you can find me, guaranteedexperience.com. Excellent. Well, thank you for being here. And, uh, you know, even if we don't have a podcast, I hope that we hear from you every so often. I'm just going to say that. I hope so, too. Don't burn my number. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we will. Awesome, man. Thank you, Jeff. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Man, I knew it would be a great conversation with Jeff, but that was just so much fun. And I think it was kind of like one of those conversations that you and Jeff and I have had when we haven't been in front of microphones. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, we uh, just being at conferences together and mm-hmm. uh, seeing each other in different uh, venues, the three of us, it's been awesome. Uh, and, you know, I did guarantee you it would be a good experience at the front, Jeannie. <laughs> you did indeed. And because of that, I want to guarantee something to you. You know what that is? What's that? That if you go to forethought.ai... <laughs> slash ctcc you will learn more about human-centered ai and how you can get a 100 hundred dollar gift card because you know what we have to think outside the what outside the bot genie that's right because customer expectations are higher we talked about that in our conversation today that you know what we don't want those clunky chatbots that's not going to help us with these experiences. So Forethought goes beyond traditional chatbots by infusing human-centered AI that understands your customer sentiment and intent. So now you can empower customers to self-serve, automatically route tickets to the right agent, and enable agents to resolve cases faster, all on one AI-powered platform. So check it out. Learn more about human-centered AI and how you can get that $100 gift card by visiting 
forethought.ai slash ctcc. All right. Well, we are always guaranteed to say thank you here at Crack the <laughs> Customer Code. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for sharing in this uh, fun conversation with Jeff and as we wrap things up here in the season. So, uh, you know, don't forget that we are part of that C-Suite radio network, that C-Suite business uh, content that's at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. But overall, we really appreciate you spending your time with us. Please reach out, say hello. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can find me at experienceinvestigators.com. And Adam Topork, and you can find me and connect with me at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.